we are glad that you're here. If you, I know it's been said a couple of times, but it's worth saying again, um, if you are new to this space and you have never been at Heights Church before, or this is like your third week after that, you're, you're one of the family at that point. Um, but if you're here, like we, it's not just words. We are thankful that you would choose to be here. Right, church? Yeah. We can give them a hand. We can give them a hand. Um, Along with that, in a way to catch everybody up to the same speed, because depending on where you've been and what you've been doing, we are in week three of a series we're calling Storehouse. We are anchoring Storehouse um, to this concept taken out of um, Luke chapter 6, verse 45, where it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That essentially what Jesus was saying in that moment is whatever's on the inside of you, guess what? You have a natural conduit called your mouth and it's going to come out of it what is on the inside of you. And so we're rallying around that going, okay, if that's true, that, that our speech is really an indicator of what's going on at a much deeper level, then what else does the Bible have to say about our speech? And so week one, we talked intentionally about how words matter. That every single, that your words have power. They can bring life, they can bring death. And then last week, Ron did a phenomenal job at going, just shut your mouth. Like there's too many words. Like just stop the words already, right? And so um, building from that, one of the things when Ron and I were sitting together and, and, and talking about what this series would be, where we were feeling God leading, it, it, we really got this sense that we just want to make it practical, that, that, that we just want to make it something tangible, that if you've sat through the four weeks of this series, um, that it'd be so much better than uh, if you're here with somebody you really care about and they're in your life outside of this room and they're the one that look at you and they go, didn't you listen? You know, that person, like we're just giving them more ammo. That's all we're doing, okay? But, but the goal is really that um, something practical that we can take and, and just, this, just this image that it can become um, part of our rubber soles, if that makes sense, because your rubber soles go everywhere you go, your shoes go everywhere you go. And so the idea that, that wherever we're tracking, there are these principles that we can pull into our life. Today is probably the most practical. Because today, if you're in the room and you're a mom, if you're in the room and you're a daughter, if you're in the room and you're a son, a dad, a grandfather, grandma, that if you're in the room and you're a leader of some sort, if you're in the room and, and you happen to hold a position within your, your work realm where, where you have a, a, a mouth, so to speak, you have a voice in that area, if you, if you happen to be in the room and you're a part of some club of some kind, if you're in the room and you just have a relationship with one other human being, today is your day. Because I guarantee you, and I know this sounds big and sounds like a telecommercial right now, but I guarantee you that if you will take the principles of today and you will apply them, you will put them into the rubber soles of your week, it will change your relationships. Your relationships will, will vastly improve. No matter if they're already good, they will get gooder. You know what I'm saying? If, if you're here and you go, man, I got a couple that I could work on, I guarantee you, you put this into those relationships, they will grow. And so it's found in um, James chapter 1. James chapter one, if you have a Bible or the app and you want to track along, um, we're in James one. The context is this, that James, uh, he was the half brother of Jesus. And so he literally got a front row seat to watching Jesus grow up and step into ministry. And uh, I don't know if any of you are in the room and you have siblings, I have two older brothers. And if one of those told me that they were the son of God, I'd be like, yeah, right. Um, 
I know you too well. Uh, but the, the reality was James sat all the time with Jesus and Jesus made these audacious claims that he was the son of God. That he, he made these claims that he was the savior. That, that what he was saying that moment is, hey, James, you're actually going to need me. Which if you're a, a younger sibling, you, you don't want to need your older brother, right? And so for James, he went through life and he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Not until he, he stood and saw Jesus get nailed on a cross, saw him die, saw him put in a tomb. And then later that same week is having breakfast on the beach with Jesus. And he goes, oh, well, you are who he said you were. Guess I got to accept it now. Um, and for him, everything changed. And what happened to James is James became a leader in the early church. And James, as a leader of the early church, then put on paper um, the letter that we're about to look at, the letter of James. And what's interesting with James is James is all about not living a fragmented life. It's all about the entire book is about living holistically, living with everything that God intended you to do, live that out. And so in James chapter one, verse 19, it begins here. My dear brothers and sisters, that's our context. The, the brothers and sisters piece, he's writing to the church. So he's writing to the church family. And so specifically, we call the church family. We define that by those that have said yes to Jesus. In this case, for James, he said, yes, you are my savior. And that has placed him now as part of this thing we call the church and part of this church family. Um, and, and so if you're in the room today and you go, I don't know if that's me, then I got good news for you. You get an inside peek into what it means to be a member of the body of Jesus, to be a member of this thing called the church, to be a part of the family. You get an inside look at, at what God is trying to move us and inspire us towards, that what he saved us towards is what we're about to get into. So if you're here and you go, I don't, I don't know if I'm part of this thing or not. I don't know about this Jesus thing. Great. I guarantee you what you're about to hear will still help you no matter what. But for the church family, that's, that's who James is writing to. So we're going to step that forward from when it was written into now and go, the church is still the church. And so he's writing to believers. So if you're in the room and you go, man, I've said yes to Jesus, then this is for you. Take note of this. Okay, so the word take note means to know. It means to take it and internalize it. It means that you have taken some time and you have focused specifically on what is said and you take it and you now internalize it. Why is that important? Because if we step back to our verse that we're starting this whole thing out with, that out of the overflow of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. So in internalizing this, what we're saying is we want to, James is saying, take this and put it on the inside of you. Why? Because hopefully it will come out of you. Everyone, so speaking to the church, everyone who calls themselves a family member should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Everyone should be quick to listen. That makes no sense. Those two words don't go together. You can't speed up your ear. Your ear hears at the speed it hears. But he's saying, be quick, quick to listen. Be quick to listen. So you're going to look at the person who is around you that needs this the most. And you're going to go, be quick to listen. Go ahead. It's so awkward. I love it. Because nobody wants to do it. The problem is they're going to turn around and say it to you. So everybody needs it, right? So um, everybody should be quick to listen. Quick 
to listen. That word quick means to be in a hurry, to be in a hurry. I, I, I'm hasty towards this. There's, there's a swiftness towards this. I'm moving towards being quick to listen. I, I, my, my pace is that I can't wait to hear what you've got to say. Now, now why is this so important? So, so be quick to listen. Be quick, be quick, be hasty, be fast to hear what the other person has to say. This goes, by the way, this, this goes completely against everything that is natural to us. You ever notice you get in a conversation, you're like, oh man, I wish they'd stop, wish they'd stop. I got something really good to say, you know? Like, like it's just the way we're wired. We have something to say and we want to lob it into the, to, into the conversation. So would you shut up so I can speak? Like that's our natural, maybe it's just mine, but that's our natural, like way we interact. And what he's saying is, is you got to be quick to listen. So I, I got to thinking like, okay, why, why quick to listen? What, are, what does listening do? And, and so the listening is the beginning. We'll put it this way. Listening is the beginning of understanding. The, the, what I'm saying when I listen is I need to gain. It's the beginning point of me understanding where you're coming from. So, so listening is with the intent that I'm going to gain understanding from you because I currently don't have understanding from you. And, and so along with this, I went, okay, the word, the word understand is interesting. What if, what if we went to the idea of um, comprehend? What does comprehend mean? And, and so I looked up the word for comprehend. It says to understand. And I went, okay, they're connected. But then what was fascinating about the word comprehend is we actually get the word comprehend, which means to understand, from the Latin word seize. And so when I looked at what that meant, this, the Latin version of this is literally to go, I am going to grab as fast as I can from you what I don't have. And so in the context of understanding, my role in our relationship is I am going, the first thing I'm going to do is grab as fast as I can onto what you are saying, because I need to gain understanding from you. Can you imagine just for a moment if we started to do this in our relationships? That the first thing we're going to do is I can't wait to get out of you and understand where you're coming from. Anyone in the room ever had someone who's made a judgment about you? Right? They didn't talk to you. They just made a judgment. They've never had a conversation with you. And they, they choose to lob outward, sh take shots at you based on what they perceive to be right. Judgment comes, judgment comes before hearing so often. We live in a world where you can fire shots to any time, anywhere. You don't even have to be in the same um, country to fire shots at each other. That, that we have more, more ways from, from Facebook to any other social media platform to, to email. Email is my least favorite, by the way. You know why? Because my email is on a website and anyone can email me. And so you know what I get? Everything that people think I should know. And they just begin to shots fired. Here you go. I don't know if you know this or not, but here you go. 
And what happens is when we are not quick to listen, when we don't have understanding, we often make judgments that are not accurate on someone else. And if we would take the time, I don't know if you've ever done this, that that you have a preconceived idea about somebody, and, and instead of going and talking to them, you pass on that preconceived idea about somebody, and it eventually gets to them, and then they go, we need to chat. And so you sit down and chat with them, and then what happens is you all of a sudden go, oh, I read this one totally wrong. What's happening is you've now decided to listen and in listening, what you gain is understanding and in gaining understanding, you get comprehension. And once you comprehend now, now you can begin to formulate what you actually think about that. What's actually happening here, this is connected deeply to something Jesus said. Jesus put it this way in Luke. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others, is there anybody in the room that doesn't want to be heard? I'm pretty sure that's the whole reason we speak, is because something inside of us needs to be communicated outward. And so the idea is that that just as Jesus is saying, would you do for them what what you would wish they would do for you? Can Can you imagine if we grasp this and go, okay, I am going to, I know what you want is you want to be heard. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give you what you long for. And in turn, you're going to do the same for me. Now, all of a sudden it totally changes our relationships because the dynamic of our relationship is going to be based on understanding. I mean, if, if we would take this principle and begin to, to just ripple it out a little bit, right? Because, because if, the, if, the beginning, um, if the beginning is, is what we were talking about with understanding, so we listen to gain understanding, then, then we also listen, we also listen to see people. Because here, here's what's interesting with listening. When I begin to listen to you and I begin to understand you, you go from someone who might have just been on an opposite scale for me or an opposite opinion. I now see the human and that changes everything. You see, because to be seen, right? To be seen and if that comes through hearing, that means I've been heard. And if I've been heard, it means that I matter. And, and, if, and if I feel value and feel like I matter, then all of a sudden I feel some kind of worth. And it's not long before I connect worth just because you listen to me, just because you heard me, just because you see me. It's not long until that now transfers. And what actually happens is they go, you actually love me because you take the time to listen to me. I remember when I met my wife. And somebody, it was actually my brother I was talking to, and, and he says, what's different with her? I said, I can talk to her about anything. And I never get tired of hearing what she has to say. You see, somewhere along the way, we get so quick with talking, we forget that the first step of communication is to listen, because in listening, I will actually see the person. Okay, can we play this out just a little bit? Can you imagine on our planet if people began to listen to each other? Because right now what we have is we have, I have an issue and I have an opinion. You have an issue, you have an opinion. And we just lob stuff all day long. And we're not listening to each other. We're just shots fired, grenades thrown. And instead, if we would actually slow down to go, I, wait a minute, I'm gonna, let's go back to James. I'm going to be quick to listen. 
I'm going to be quick to listen. So the first thing I'm going to do, even though, even though my perception is you see this issue, you see this completely different than me. I'm going to choose to grab as quickly as I can, as, as hurriedly as I can. I want to grab your understanding because if I grab your understanding, I'm going to see the human. And when I see the human, now it's going to change how I view. We're not talking about issues anymore. We're not talking about issues. By the way, you can be the most right person and the loneliest person all at the same time. Because you can write people right out of the room. You can win an argument. Does anybody ever win an argument? But you could win the argument and lose the person. And at that point, you've missed the point of even communication in the first place. Because communication is, I see you. You matter. And so, what would it be like if the church... If the church began to sit down with people we know are very different than us, what would it look like for us to sit down and go, I don't care about promoting my agenda, which we'll get to speaking. I don't care about promoting what I've got to say. I want to hear what you think and where you are, and I want to understand you. And all of a sudden, there's not anybody on the planet who does not want to be seen, does not want to be heard, and does not want to be considered to be human. But when we get into issues, we lose the humanity. So we have to be quick to listen. Any men in the room? Whether you were a teenager and you should have shut up a whole lot sooner, but your parents went into a two-hour conversation with you. Actually, it was a monologue because they were just talking. And you should have just been quiet and you grew up into a man and got married. And, and now you're going, oh man, my night would have gone so much easier if I would have listened. Any women in the room, same story. Why? Because we are to be quick. Let's gain understanding first. Let's gain understanding first. And then slow to speak. Slow actually, it's interesting when you break down the word in the original, there's an essence to it that has to do with I understand that intellectually I don't have it all. And so because I intellectually don't have it all, I'm going to move very slow to gain understanding. So I'm going to be slow because I don't have it, because I don't understand it, to speak. I'm going to be slow to give my opinion. Why? Because at first I want to gain understanding long before I tell you what I think about something. I, I, I want to... I want to be slow to speak because what I'm actually doing when I'm slow to speak, I'm actually acknowledging I'm taking a humble posture. I'm actually going that you matter more than I do. And I'm going to move slowly because I know that I have some missing pieces here that I need to, I need to gain because either I'm not viewing you as human right now or, or it's just not adding up. Proverbs picks up on this idea of, of speaking in haste. Those who guard their lips persevere their lives, preserve their lives, sorry. But those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Those who guard, who shut, shut, like Ron was talking about last week, those who choose to shut their mouth. But those who speak rashly, which rashly is just quick, it's hastily, it's, it's, it's tying into James, same concept, will come to what? Ruin. I don't know about you, but when I find Proverbs, they're normally true. If it's in the Bible, this is normally true. And so if you're in the room and you go, man, I got a problem with speaking hastily, I, I would take this and I would put it on your dash. 
I would put it somewhere you carry, make it the, the cover for your phone. So every time you open your, what am I going to do? I am not going to speak that way because I don't want my life to what? Come to ruin. Next verse in Proverbs. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Do you know somebody who speaks in haste? Don't nudge them right now. Right? Do, do you know someone? Because if you do, there's more hope for someone who is stupid. That's, that's the translation of fool. One way you can do it is stupid. There's more hope for someone who is stupid than somebody who opens their mouth too quickly. And so if we go back to James then with this idea of ruin and all of that, then, then be slow to speak. Why? Why? Because we need to become slow to become angry. We need to be slow to become angry. You see, there's a, there's a progression here. That when I stop listening first and I begin speaking and now that person doesn't agree with me, now they are the enemy. Because I got to make them see it my way. I got to make them see the right way, right? So, so now it's gone from, hey, hey, what can I do for you? Let me, let me listen to you. Let me meet you where you're at. Let me see. Like it's gone from that. We don't care about that now. Now we're into, I just got to win this because you're not seeing it the way I am. When they don't see it the way you do, then we get angry. Like I grew up in a family with, like I said, two older brothers. And, and I was the third child. And what I learned real quick is if you didn't speak loud, you weren't heard. And so what often happened was is the volume would escalate and you speak loud, right? You're speaking over everybody else because you got to be heard. The problem is, the problem is when it arrived at their ears and they did not agree with you, it became quickly turned into anger and frustration. It's funny. We have this word angry and it literally means angry, but we, we dumb it down with, I'm just so frustrated that that person, I'm just so worked up. You're really saying, I'm, I'm angry at that person. If you trace it back, it's somewhere in the, the, the words that broke down between listening and hearing um, and, and actually speaking to gain understanding. Somewhere it got lost. The idea of being slow to angry, I, I got thinking about, okay, why do we get angry? Why do we speak so much? And, and what's interesting with this, the idea behind becoming angry is we have a fear of losing. And specifically, we have a fear of losing control or fear of the conversation not going the way that we think it should and end at the conclusion where you agree with me. And so what quickly happens is it escalates very quickly when neither side is, is listening anymore. It escalates very quickly from words that are being fired to each other. It's not long before there's aggression shown in one way, shape or another. And that aggression is going to flow out in, in multiple ways and in multiple ways it'll damage other people. And what James is saying is, hey, step back. If, if we would be quick, if we would be quick, if we would be hasty, if we would be swift, if we would step into it and go, I am going to grasp as quickly as I can understanding. It would change the outcome of anger. Now he carries on with anger in the next verse. Because human anger does not produce 
the righteousness that God desires. So, so now he connects your anger that comes because your words broke down, anger that comes. He now connects that to, to what God is trying to accomplish. He pushes it to a much bigger picture. And he says the kind of righteousness that God is trying to, that, that God desires is yes, he desires your rightness with him. That was taken care of at the cross. This is now talking in human relationships, what God's desire for you, this idea of being righteous, this idea of right actions, right? This idea of being right. He's saying that God desires something different than what your anger is accomplishing. Because when we break down with anger and by, by anger, I mean like we won't listen to that person anymore by anger is we think we figured them out. And so we're, we're done with them. What's actually happened is the opposite of what God wants. Cause God wants us what the righteousness of God is trying to push us together as humanity, not pull us apart. And so when your relationships break down simply because at some point your words broke down, which led to anger, he's saying what's happened is you've done the opposite of what God desires. God does not desire the separation. The righteousness that he's trying to bring is a right standing with each other. And he says the way that that happens, the way that that happens, we have to eliminate anger. To eliminate anger, we have to go back and be slow to speak and quick to listen. Next verse. Therefore, Therefore, based, based on talking to believers, that hasn't changed, talking to the church. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Get rid of all moral filth. What, what this looks like it, when, you, when you begin to break it down is um, we've all been in relationships where we've all done something wrong. And you may currently be in a relationship where you did something wrong yesterday. You may be in a relationship where you did something wrong on a drive to church. And you're like, great, we're talking about this, right? But here's what it's saying is take, take that which is weighing you down, which is causing shame, which is causing you in the context of words to, to feel, to feel defeated morally He's saying, take it off like a garment, just like you would a coat. He's saying, get rid of, take it off, take it off and set it to the side. Essentially what you're doing is you're saying that, that has no part of me. This, what I'm feeling, this, what I'm carrying, this, what I've experienced, this, how I've interacted, it has no part with me. And I'm going to set it aside. This idea of the evil that is so prevalent, this is the, another word you can put in there is malice. Malice means that I'm going to get revenge. That he's saying, take off that desire to get revenge. You know where they did something to you, but you're going to come back twofold on them and you're really going to win. He's saying, get rid of that. That's not part of you. He's saying, therefore, if you're going to have words where you listen, you are quick to listen and you are slow to speak and anger is slowed and out. He says, guess what? You need to get rid of what you're carrying that you think is your shame and you think is your, your moral failures with that. You need to take it off like a garment and set it aside. Why? And humbly accept. Humbly. It's a posture of I don't have it. You have it and I need it. Humbly. Accept the word planted in you. Hold up, hold up. Accept the word planted in you. We're talking to who? Brothers and what? Sisters. We're talking to the family. 
So this isn't about salvation. This isn't all of a sudden which can save you. We're we're not talking about salvation moment. We're not talking about the moment you meet Jesus. He's saying when you wake up in the morning, take off what you aren't and humbly accept, take in, receive who you are. Because what it's saying in this is it's planted in you, inside of you, which remember, if you go back to the verse we started this whole thing out with, that what is in you, the overflow of your heart, the what? The mouth will speak. He's reminding you what's actually inside you. He's reminding you that inside of you is this gospel, this rich, rich gospel that guess what? The gospel is now planted in you and it's going to come out. How's it going to come out? I'm going to be the person that sits and I'm slow to slow to speak and I'm quick to listen. That's how the gospel impacts me. That's how it gets on my rubber shoes and walks through my week. That's the difference it makes. That when we say that, yes, I believe that Jesus saved me by grace, then your words need to be transformed by that grace. You see, if all we did was stay on the first verse, if all we do is stay on the verse that says you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, you'd walk out of here and in a week you'd be so frustrated. Because it's not something you do. It's not something that we just drum up and we're just strong enough. It's something that Almighty God has said, I've planted in you in the gospel that the power to live, the power of your salvation is that you now have control over your words. Why? Because I can put off what is holding me down. I can put off all my failures. I can put off my preconceived judgments. I can put off the knowledge of thinking I'm right. Why? Because I'm humbly coming and going, Jesus, I am nothing without you. And I need you in the worst way in this relationship. Because everything inside me wants to be very, very slow to listen. I want to flip it. I want to be quick to speak. I got such good stuff, Jesus. And he's going, what I got for you is inside of you, I've got a gospel that grows and gives life. I got a gospel inside of you. You know, the gospel is that Jesus saw you. He knows you by name. The gospel is that he knows you intimately. Why? Because he's taken the time to see you. And the call on our lives is that we would do the same. And he says, the way you do that is you begin with your words. Start with your words. How do I do that, Jesus? Well, let's start here. We're just going to be real, real quick. It's proactive, by the way. This isn't a a beat myself up and I'm going to sit there all grumpy because I'm trying to control the conversation with my silence. That's not what this is. It's an active listening. I'm all in. I want to know what you know. I want to know what you think. Why? Because I value you that much. Why do I value you? Because Jesus values you. How do I know that? Because Jesus values me and he saved me. You know, sometimes we just need to be reminded of he loves us, you know? Like sometimes that old song, if Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, we just need to sing it over ourselves every morning. I got a little girl that I get to kiss goodnight every night. And when I go upstairs and I give her a kiss, I say, I love you. And her brain's just. And I go, give her another kiss. I love you. Give her another kiss. I love you. And it's normally around the fourth time that finally she goes, I love you too. 
Sometimes we need to, we need to do this with Jesus every single morning. Remind ourselves of who you are so that when you get wherever you're going, when you're with the people you're with, you remind yourself who I am in Christ and who he has made me to be in this moment. That I will not be somebody that, that fails to hear you. I will not be somebody that fails to see you. I will not be somebody that is so quick to get my agenda and my thoughts and, and, and put it in this room. I'm going to be so quick to remind myself that who I am in Jesus and out of that, out of grace, out of mercy, out of forgiveness, out of love, that's what's going to flow into this relationship now. And it's going to be restorative and whole. Why? Because we are about building the righteousness of God, which in concept of humanity is he's pulling us together, not apart. But our words are the start point of that. So God, we come before you today. Thank you for your, your love for us. Thank you for a reminder, God, of the gospel. That you love us today. God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for setting us free from torment and torture. That what our natural desires want, God, you've set us free from that today. That even though my natural desire is I want to talk and I want to get my opinion, I want to be right and I want to, I want to stand on what I think, God, but thank you that today we don't have to be those people because of Jesus. Thank you that when we square up and face you and look you in the eyes, and remind ourselves of who we are. Thank you that when we set our devotion to you and you alone, that God, you remind us of what we are here to do. God, would you make us restorers of community? Would you make us restorers of relationship? Would you make us those that are redeeming what seems broken? All because, God, we are willing to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And God, keep anger far, far away, we pray. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for a tomb that is empty. Thank you for Jesus who makes all things new. And everybody said, amen. amen.